It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz, and today we are on the campus of Southern Miss, and we are broadcasting in front of a live studio audience. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Uh, It is an all-male audience. This is the football team and the basketball team in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, on the campus of Southern Miss. And uh, we are going to award a caught-in-the-act Award. We're proud at the Adam Rich Show to be partnered with the Caught in the Act Awards. And what that is, is if you get caught in the act, usually that's a bad thing, if you get caught with your hand in the cookie jar. Uh, but from this perspective, getting caught in the act means that you've been uh, recognized and honored for high character, behaving in, a, uh, in the right way, doing what's right with sports, using your position as a, a Division I college athlete to make your community better. So the coaches got together, they nominated some names, uh, they voted on a, a single student athlete that we're going to honor right now, so please put your hands together for Bruce Johnson. <laughs> Come on down, Bruce. Where are you? Oh, my God, right here. Okay. Bruce, how are you? Doing great. How about you? I am uh, just fine, and you are being honored for your character, your community service. You've been caught in the act. How's that make you feel? Feels great. Nope. I uh, really appreciate it. What is your uh, role with the team? Uh, I'm a fullback. I'm a senior fullback. Uh, came in as a walk-on, and I play a little special teams. Okay, so for our listeners that, uh, you know, it's been a long day, and sometimes you just want to go home and do nothing, uh, what is your best advice to, to get up off the couch and make a difference in your community? Oh, man, just uh, get out, like the NFL says, 30 minutes a day. Do whatever you can. Uh, be active. Be active in your community. Um, be a leader in the classroom, off the field. Um, on the field any way you can, get involved with your community. And what has been, uh, as a senior, looking back over your years here at Southern Miss, what's been your favorite, I guess, service project or uh, community service? Oh, yeah, definitely uh, when we went and talked to Tim's Elementary, uh, went and did a little Mardi Gras parade with them and got to uh, teach some kids how to read. And um, Lance Schufert was with us. We just talked about football and decision-making and all that, so probably that that day. All right. Well, best of luck uh, on the football field in your senior year, and congratulations on being a Caught in the Act Award winner here at Southern Miss. Let's have another round of applause for Bruce Johnson. Bruce. Bruce. Get socially technical with the Adam Ritz Show. Facebook, Adam Ritz Show. Twitter, at Adam Ritz. It's social. Uh, technically. We thank you for hanging out with the Adam Ritz Show. I'm your host, Adam Ritz. Our next guest is uh, now a good friend of mine. I've spent all day with him here in Boone, North Carolina, on the campus of Appalachian State University. He's Reggie Hunt. Hi, Reggie. How are you? Hey, Adam. I'm wonderful. And then first of all, let me just say how awesome it was today. We're so honored to have you here. And it, was, it exceeded our expectations to have you here speaking to our players tonight, and we really thank you for being here. Well, I can't thank you enough for saying that. Uh, yes, we did have a little team meeting with the players. They're the football team, the football players at App State, and our listeners will remember that uh, Appalachian State University, the Mountaineers, uh, world famous now for a huge win over the Michigan Wolverines in what year was that? That was 2007. 
And you um, were here. And I was here. I was here on the field, in the stadium, actually got to give the pregame uh, motivational that day uh, for that event. So it was, for that game, it's awesome time. Okay, so we bring you on the show. This is a social awareness talk show. We talk about inspirational stories. And, uh, I mean, if you ask me, one of the most uh, important moments in the last 50 years of college football in America, it's that game. It's when Appalach Appalachian State beat Michigan. I mean, that is such a Rocky Hoosiers type uh, underdog story, beating the big team in their home, yeah. the big house. I mean, it's even called sure, the big house, sure. 109,000 people. And you take them down yeah. with a last second. The field goal was blocked. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. And it's even more fitting for you to be on this show because you're the team chaplain. Yeah. So you're the you're the pray guy, man. You you said the right <laughs> prayers that day. Apparently, I was I was nervous. I didn't know whether or not that we should talk about a lamb being led to a slaughter or David and Goliath or <laughs> what should we talk about? Should we talk about faith in this moment? But it was a fun day to really uh, motivate the guys, you know, in, in a pregame in a pregame motivation for that week. So you gave the pregame uh, motivational speech slash prayer. Sure. And uh, do you remember it like it was yesterday? I, I do. I remember the whole year we had already won two national championships. So we're coming, working hard, and preparing for a third national championship. We've got a big game against number five, Michigan. You and know. you say, not to interrupt, but a national championship, one double A? Yes. Is that what yeah. it is? Okay. Back to back, one double A national championships. And uh, now we're preparing for number five, Michigan. And I'm wondering, what am I going to say? And, uh, you know, I, had, I, I, I was so nervous that whole weekend about this pregame, uh, having to fly in the mission and give this pregame. And, you know, that morning we just talked about one of the points was do we want to build a monument or a memorial? You know, there's people that have gone before us as Appalachian uh, players, and we have a legacy here at Appalachian, and today would be a good day for us to continue our legacy and to build our legacy. So the pregame speech that morning was actually about legacy. What are we going to do? This is going to be a defining moment for us. And when the defining moment comes, either you define the moment or the moment defines you. And so we're talking about people in the Bible who had defining moments. We're talking about people uh, who played at Appalachian who had defining moments. And uh, that was pretty much it. You know, and uh, I was extremely nervous, you know, sharing that pregame because at that time I'd only been um, doing the pregame motivation for maybe about four uh, years or so. So um, three years, actually. So I, I wanted to keep my contract as the, you know, as the pregame, uh, you know, <laughs> speaker. And so it was a real, real fun day for us. All I can think of is, is uh, in the world of sports and faith as the team pastor, uh, and you won the game. Sure. Uh, had you not won the game, you were up 14 points. We were talking about this sure. earlier. You're up 14 points. If Michigan wins that game, would you be like the bishop in Caddyshack? Would you say? <laughs> would you denounce your faith and uh, no. just start drinking? No. You know, the, the, the first I started off as the second string chaplain, and I always say that's not, not that's nothing you write home about. You know, and the first game that I uh, gave the pregame for, we were just uh, we got annihilated by Wyoming, and I thought, Lord, if these games depend on my pregame speech, we are in trouble. <laughs> my first year, we were six and five. You know, my second year uh we won the national championship and everybody said it's because of the chaplain and then when we lost uh the fourth championship run everybody said it's because of the chaplain so I've learned not to really define myself you know by who wins that game but it there was a lot of prayers on that day there was a lot of prayers on that Michigan day uh and afterwards I afterwards I was so sick I think I've been nervous and maybe had heat exhaustion and stuff like that that uh I actually you know passed out on the plane and, <laughs> and then on the tarmac and I actually didn't get to be a part of the celebration here I had to watch it on video. I think I put enough energy and enough prayers that day in the hoping that we win in that game.
Well, you did your job. Uh, the prayers worked. Uh, one of the most inspiring uh, games in college football history just a few years ago, uh, Appalachian State beating Michigan at Michigan. Uh, you are Reggie Hunt, the team chaplain with Appalachian State, and um, you were telling me you're also a, pa you're a pastor in town yeah. here in Boone, North Carolina. You've got a church. You uh, do this every Sunday. You, you preach. Yeah, I pastor a church called Cornerstone Summit, and, you know, it's really unique because I started off being here as a chaplain and had, a, had pastored another church, and my tenure being the chaplain here, uh, me and a few uh, guys from Appalachian State, a few former former football players actually started our church and so it's been really cool to kind of have that inspiration on that side but to walk with these guys uh, as a chaplain and then later on as a director of player development I get to be intricately uh, involved in their life you know in so many different aspects uh, life skills and leadership and you know um, uh, academic goals as well as their uh, spiritual development. So Saturday morning game day you're giving a pregame mm -hmm. motivational speech 24 hours later you are at church giving a sermon. Sure. And, you know, like this year, we'll play Wyoming. We'll play Montana. We'll open up against Montana. We'll get back to the airport at 9 o'clock in the morning, and I will go straight from Hickory, North Carolina, right into the pulpit. So I just have learned, you know, we played LSU the year that Hurricane Katrina was here. We got back at 645 in the morning. But I love being on the road with the team. And, you know, while they're studying game plan, uh, I'm reading books and kind of thinking about what I want to do uh, for the next weekend. So I just have – I feel like I've kind of been tailored for – you know, uh, a job like this and getting to travel. I'm now at 140 straight Appalachian games. So being able to travel over the last several years, I have a wonderful wife and family who supported me. Uh, the church has been real flexible to let me go on the team. The coaches have been real great to let me do the pregame. And, you know, we've got a new coach and staff this year, but for the last uh, 11 years, I'm the only person that speaks on Saturday. Uh, I, the pregame meal is a silent meal. There's no phone. There's no texting. Everybody's stone quiet. The coach gets up and says, okay, we're going to have a pregame motivational. I speak, and then after that, we're out the door three hours before tip-off, and coach speaks again, you know, normally right before we walk out the tunnel. If it's a late flight back to Boone, North Carolina, and you are up early to give your sermon on Sunday, do you ever accidentally give the motivational speech from the game? No, no. You know, there's times that I thought about it, but, you know, between a Sunday service and then a Wednesday service, a Wednesday night coach's Bible study, and then a Saturday morning message, I generally come up with four different messages per week. And I, don't, I try not to repeat them at, at, at each other. You know, it's just creative for me. Well, it's pretty inspiring. Uh, the chaplain with the team, uh, Appalachian State University football, is uh, Reggie Hunt. He's our guest right now. So the inspiring story of, of App State beating Michigan, that's great. Your inspiring story of being the team chaplain, sure. a pastor, and the football team's director of player development. Let's talk about the teams uh, before I let you go there. Community service. Um, weren't you telling me about a, an overseas project even that yeah, you do? Yeah, uh, do you yeah. do that with the players or is that just you that, and your that church? That was separate. But, you know, this year, uh, just between February and uh, the middle of April, we had over 140 hours of community service. So our team has done an extraordinary job working with five different uh, elementary schools and about four different uh, agencies ranging from the homeless shelter uh, to Habitat for Humanity, uh, the local farmer's market, uh, uh, autism camps, all of those kind of things we've done. And then this summer, I went on a separate trip outside of football to Honduras with 1,800 volunteers. We volunteered. Uh, that group volunteered and served um, all 18 states of Honduras. So it was an incredible week for us. 
1,800 volunteers? 1,800 volunteers all flew to Miami. We chartered a 747, Boeing 747, like like, uh, Air Force One. We flew to Honduras. We had 24 buses that took us to 18 states. And then we had, uh, it was kind of, we went into various schools. We had over 400 people that went to uh, medical brigades in one area. We distributed shoes. We went into schools. We gave new curriculum. And then on the last day, it was kind of like watching the NCAA because there was a uh, televised all over Latin America was uh, the different states. So for three minutes you would see Cologne, and then for three minutes you would see San Pedro, and then for three minutes you would see La Ceiba, and you were seeing what was happening on one Saturday. And between those 18 states, we had uh, 100. Uh, I'm sorry, 1.6 million people uh, at live events in one night. So between those 18 soccer stadiums, so it was a wonderful event for us. Was it soccer? Um, what was, was that the template? Uh, no, the, was soccer it was a, behind? It was like an evangelistic crusade on the last oh, night. Okay. Yeah. So the last night was great. And what is? I'm guessing the way you described that 1,800 people from the United States going mm-hmm. to Honduras. What's the governing body from the U.S. that's doing this? Uh, the the group that we went with was a friend of mine named Dominic Russo. The event was called One Nation One Day. And the, the goal was to reach one nation in one day through service and evangelism. So it was a wonderful opportunity. We had doctors uh, and nurses and, you know, pastors, ministers. Uh, the youngest person in the group that I saw was nine. The oldest person on my team was 80. So it was a vast, you know, group of people age-wise and diversity-wise. Uh, just a wonderful event. The, the uh, president of Honduras had declared it a national holiday. And the security that we have was amazing. So, you know, five of the most dangerous cities in the world uh, were in Honduras. Uh, the state that we were in, 20 people uh, die per day. And in the nation of Honduras for that week, there were no murders oh, nationwide. That's awesome. So it was a really fun, you know, event. So I've been able to really just be blessed with the opportunity to, you know, do trips like that um, and do those in the spring and in the summer mm-hmm. when football's a little bit slower and then come back here, get checked in for camp, be with the guys from August, you know, through December and balance my church world, my family world, uh, the athletic world um, as well. So it's been fun. You got a lot going on. Yeah, a lot going on. Well, let me uh, finish with this last question for you. Um, as a pastor, Reggie Hunt is our guest again. He's a pastor here in Boone, North Carolina. And also, the other hat he wears, uh, several hats, one of his hats is that he's the pastor and player development director for the Appalachian State University football squad. Um, You give the pregame motivational speech. I'll call it the pregame prayer. Uh, It's a state school. Is there any, I guess, uh, fight? from the other side of the non-secular side of the fence that says, hey, let's keep church and state separate. Uh, We shouldn't have a prayer on campus. I mean, is that something that you just see on a cable news station, or is that a real problem that might exist? I I think it's a real uh, challenge to be aware of. You know, we've had guys on our team that are uh, Jewish, that are atheists, that are agnostic, that are Christian, that are, uh, you know, uh, Zen Buddhists, you know. Faith plays a role in everybody's life in some capacity, Uh, whether you're Tim Tebow and uh, you're pretty expressive about your Christian faith or you're Tiger Woods and meditation as a Buddhist is important to you. So when we say faith, we're not just talking about Christianity. Uh, We're talking about how faith is a a part of of an individual's life. But here at Appalachian, you know, Appalachian is a state-supported school. So when I do the pregame message, I'm not trying to establish a church. I'm trying to motivate men to be better men on and off the field.
you know. And so the messages that I give in that capacity, I have to learn how to connect with a guy. So I might start off with a scripture, uh, or start off with a, with a quote. I'll start off with a quote that, that maybe um, uh, Albert Einstein said, uh, the current problems that we face cannot be resolved by remaining at the same level of thinking we were at when we created them. Uh-huh. So I'll start off with the Einstein quote. Uh, how can we be better this year than we were last year? And I'll talk about mindsets, and I'll talk about uh, adaptations, and I'll talk about self-awareness, and I'll talk about all those kind of things. And then I may give illustrations, you know, uh, of people from the Bible who uh, had to adapt, people who refused to back down, people who were motivated. And one day, uh, these men are going to go beyond football. Hopefully, these lessons, you know, will will be important for them. This way, I haven't really... Uh, the, the, the challenge that we have with the separation of church and state is not establishing religion on a state campus. When you give a message like that as a motivational and you're referencing illustrations or you're referencing the Bible, you're not establishing religion. Mm-hmm. You know? okay. uh, and so in the same clause that we have, the separation of church and state, we also have the exercise uh, and the freedom uh, to exercise you know, our beliefs and our religion. So we always have to find that balance of that. And I just, for 13 years now, have just uh, understood that Appalachian is, is, not, is not a church. Uh, yeah. And when the people, you know, come to our church, uh, they get a little bit different, you know, vibe. Uh, I'm a little bit more uh, expressive maybe there. I'm a little bit more direct there. Uh, and also as a staff employee, um, I have to be mindful that uh, in the room are going to be different people at different life stages and different levels of faith. And so uh, my invitation is not for you to join a church. My invitation is for us to have a relationship in which I believe and engage in a relationship we can be better together. Well, whatever you said before that Michigan game, say that again. <laughs> I tried a couple times. <laughs> uh, you know, I tried to – I haven't repeated any messages, but there's a few phrases that have worked, you know, time and time again. But the, every year is a little bit different, and I, I probably put more pressure on myself than, than some realize to kind of come up with a good message, maybe, maybe eight hours for a 10-minute pregame. I got to ask, did you hear any, hear any feedback from uh, anybody in Columbus, Ohio? I got to believe the Buckeye fans, the Ohio State fans in Columbus, Ohio, love Appalachian State after that win over Michigan. You know, I'm going to Ohio this weekend to speak at the church, and the church <laughs> loves me just because we beat Michigan. Uh, but really, you know, after the week after Michigan was just so wild for our whole guys. You know, you had folks from uh, from Orlando and from L.A. Times, you know, and Sports Illustrated, and all these people were here interviewing. But the most amazing thing was to see the two charter buses that pulled up at the Appalachian bookstore, got off the bus, bought a whole lot of Apple, Appalachian gear, got back on the bus, and probably drove up to Ohio. And we have seen all kinds of Ohio State folks who have just thanked us. And all the T-shirt companies here made, you know, just well over their, their budget uh, after that game because they just printed shirts. Like, we have shirts here that say, uh, where is Ann Arbor? Because Michigan is the trademark. Yeah. So ah. we can't say, where is Michigan? We just have, where is Ann Arbor? Where I bet you know where Boone, North Carolina is, you know. Uh, and so we've, we've had to work around the trademarks. But all the Ohio State fans still love us. You're big in Ohio. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, they love us there. Reggie Hunt, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and uh, sharing your faith with us, your work as a pastor, and your work as the uh, player development director with Appalachian State University Football. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for being with us, and we really enjoyed you today. And I'm great, to, uh, honored to, to meet you and, and have a new friend. This is Jerry Kill, the head coach at the University of Minnesota, and you're listening to The Adam Rich Show. Time now to check in with sports psychologist Lowell Whiteman. He's with 360 Mindset. Lowell, take it away. Thanks, Adam. Hope your summer's going well. 
If you're like me, your spring and summer is the time you use to prepare and plan and then play or practice what you're passionate about. For me, I like to go bike riding and uh, get outside and enjoy the hiking. But all across the country, college and professional athletes are preparing themselves for the plans being made by their coaches to eventually play the sport they're passionate about, football. Over the 4th of July, I came across a quote from George Washington. It goes like this. Associate, associate yourself with men and women of quality. As I read this quote, I was reminded of the NBA Finals and the men of quality that surround LeBron James. LeBron has been quoted to say, You know, my family and friends have never been yes men. Yes, you're doing the right thing, or you're always right. No, they tell me when I'm wrong, and that's why I've been able to stay who I am and stay humble. So for LeBron, surrounding himself with family and friends reminds him he is not perfect and he can improve. It is difficult to refute LeBron's plan when it has contributed to two NBA titles in his three years with the Miami Heat. So how humble are you? When I'm fatigued and physically or mentally tired, I'm challenged to accept any comment that sounds critical and humble myself to consider changing. So I can only imagine how courageous a LeBron family member or friend must be to honestly share with Mr. James. For me, their measure of a true champion is the individual who not only surrounds themselves with quality people and things, but they're aware of this quality and they listen to what they have to say. Johnny Football, for example, has proven you can be a champion without listening to sound advice, and now his challenge is to sustain his champion status on and off the field. Both his father and the director have commented that Johnny has been routinely advised about the rules and doing the right thing. Adam, I ask you, how fair is Johnny being to his teammates? Yes, he's the one who's being scrutinized for violating NCAA rules, allegedly, and has now brought press and administrative review of his every behavior. Performing at your best requires a mindset that is unique and focused on process that will bring out your best. Everyone is not Johnny Football, so they may need a little more effort and a fewer distractions to deliver their greatness. College football will begin in earnest after a great many hours of preparing, planning, and playing during camp. Don't let the distractions created by one diminish the greatness of the team. This is Lowell Whiteman, 360 Mindset, reporting for Adam Ritz. And now, a truly inspirational story on The Adam Ritz Show. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to the broadcast. Uh, we move right along with a, with a special guest from Miami, the beach, South Beach. Or actually, it's Coral Gables, uh, I've just learned. But we welcome Miami Hurricane football player Brandon Yosha to the broadcast. Hi, Brandon. How are you? Adam, how's it going? I'm doing, I'm doing great. And uh, you look great. You've got your green sweatpants on with the U on there. And first of all, let's get that out of the way. The you, when people ask you where you go, you say the you. Of course. Of course. And time, yeah. what if you say, I go to the University of Miami? Do, do your teammates look at you and say, no, 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 it's the you? Yeah, a couple times when I went to breakfast when I first uh, got back, uh, they were like, what, Brandon, why are you telling them you go to the University of Miami? Just, just say the you. You know, it's the most recognizable brand in college football. Just say the you, and they'll know, <laughs> they'll know exactly what you're saying. But, um, yeah, that's how that went. The history of the logo, it's obviously a, a U, uh, mm -hmm. and I'm assuming it, it's for the first letter of the word university. Right. What is the, um, 
the way it's divided in half, one side of it's orange, one side of it's green, is there some sort of tradition there that you can educate us about? You know, actually, Coach Snellenberger in the 80s when the f- program finally tur- uh, turned around for the better, uh, they were going to get rid of the U and they were going to put uh, a Hurricane logo but Schnellenberger said, you know, we're going to make the U more recognizable than IBM. I remember that quote-unquote. And the orange and the green, that's our, obviously our team colors, and they just stuck with the U, and we made it a recognizable thing. My daughters, think it, they, they think it looks like the Jimmy John's logo. Do you ever, <laughs> do you ever hear that? Never heard that. That's the first time for that one. Does that ring a bell? The Jimmy, you know the J and the J. If you took one of the J of the Jimmy John's logo and did a mirror image of it, it would it would be the U. Yeah, I'm with you. But I, that's the first time I've heard it. I'm with you, but I haven't heard that before. First time. So it's uh, football player Brandon Yosha. What's your number? Number forty-eight. Number forty-eight. Running back. Um, the Miami University at the U. I'm sorry, at the U. The University of Miami with the Hurricanes, and we bring you on the show to talk about some uh, inspirational, inspirational aspects of of your football career. Uh, first, it's inspiring to me that um, the perseverance that it took to battle through two major injuries and still get back on the football field. What were those injuries you had in high school, and did they almost end your career? Uh, I, well, f- the first injury was, uh, torn, uh, anterior cruciate ligament ACL on the left knee. And the second one was an ACL on the right knee along with an MCL and a meniscus. So I did a total, um, knee reconstruction in the second knee on the right. And those are obviously very, very, um, long rehab injuries. You know, it's, it, t- it takes a lot of work to get back from those type of injuries. And they both those both happened in high school? Yep, both of them in high school my freshman year and right before my junior year. And give us some perspective. Uh, any uh, big-time names we've, we remember from the NFL that had those injuries that couldn't overcome them, that had to end their career? Well, my dad always used to say Gale Sayers. He said that Gale Sayers was the best running back, you know, of his generation. And, you know, it knocked him out two or three ACLs and he was done you know he couldn't play anymore but now today it's a little more common for guys to come back from an ACL it's just a matter of how effective they are when they come back if you can play at a high level with an ACL or or two you know I'm reminded speaking of the U and injuries uh, of McGahee um, the running back from the U that was well, Frank he, Gore, he, Frank he had an well. enormous injury and I never thought he'd come back and he came back and he's play, he plays great in the NFL Frank Gore you say as well yeah, Frank Gore uh, with the 49ers he had two ACLs and McGay he had that one in the Ohio State game in the national championship but Frank Gore had two and he came back and now he's what leading the rushing almost every year in the NFL and he played his senior year for Miami. We've had a lot of a lot of great running backs and some that have torn their ACL and it's ironic that I chose Miami cuz the the same staff um for athletic training is still there that helped McGahee and Frank Gore get back on the field. So I'm blessed to be with those people. How about mentally for you? I mean, when you suffer the second injury, uh, I'm sure there's some dark days after that where you were like, gosh, I'm finally healthy, I'm back on the field, boom, another injury. Mentally, how did you cope with that? Uh it took a lot of praying. Um, a lot of faith in God, definitely. I, uh, I had some dark days, like you said, obviously, um, two weeks after, three weeks after, and it starts to get better day by day. And, you know, eventually you just say, either I'm just going to feel sorry for myself the rest of my life, or I'm going to make, I'm going to make a difference and I'm going to, I'm going to make it back. And 
get back as, as, as best I possibly can. And once you finally say that to yourself, um, it's not that bad. You know, you just got to work at it every day and keep your support, support system strong. So now that you're healthy and back on the field, is there, is the rehab over or, or do you still have to do rehab? Um, what, what goes on from here on out? Uh, you know, I have tune ups every now and then, uh, I, I tried to stay in the training room as much as possible after practice, just to make sure that my body's in line. It's definitely, um, it's definitely not over by any stretch of the imagination. I have to, you know, stretch more than the normal athlete does. I have to take care of my body more than a normal athlete does because I've been through those injuries, but it's just part of it. You know, I, I, uh, take it in stride and I keep, keep rehabbing and it's not going to slow me down. Never give up, never surrender. It's inspiration from Brandon Yosha uh, with a couple could-be career-ending injuries that he's battled back from, and now he's a, a player with the Miami Hurricanes. That's pretty impressive. Now, we're not talking Division Three football. This is a major D1 program. So uh, if he can do it, by golly, you can do it too. That's inspiration for all of us. Um, number 46, you say? 48. I'm sorry, 48. Number 48 with the Miami Hurricanes, Brandon Yosha is our guest. And part two of the inspiration I wanted to bring to the table with this uh, conversation we're having is uh, your freshman year at Miami, um, you were highly recruited all over the country. You were one of the top seven running backs in the country coming out of high school. Um, but the injuries sort of halted some of the scholarship offers. You fell in love with Miami during your official visit and your recruiting, and you wanted to go to Miami, and you walked on there. Um, tell us, this is amazing to me. Tell us about uh, the statistic that you're like the first and only guy in the history of this planet to walk on at Miami and play. Yeah. Your freshman year. How's that? What? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, one of my running back coaches actually commented on that. Uh, right before our first game, uh, we were going to Boston College, and he grabs me to the side before we hop on the plane, and he says, Brandon, you realize you're the first freshman that I've ever had walk on that's traveled with us week one in the first game of, of, of their college career and have a chance to play and actually get on the field. My family is very proud that I didn't give up, and... You know, I, I do it for them, and I do it for the support system that I have, and I'm glad I can make them proud. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.